Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Hey, good morning. Those of you who are new, welcome. My name is Rob, so glad to have you with us here this morning. Uh, I'm here to introduce our guest speaker today, who's here to share with us. Uh, His name is Danny Mackay, and uh, for those of you who were at the workshop yesterday, Becoming Good News People, it was awesome, it was extraordinary. We we learned new tools, we we gained a sense of understanding and passion as Danny came and talked about what it means to live on mission, to live as a sent person. Uh, We're in a series that's called Sent, and we're talking about what it means to be the people of God who are called by God on mission in the world, and so we've invited Danny to come this morning and to share with us a word. Danny is the uh, is, is a national ambassador for E3 Partners and I Am Second. He's also an expedition leader for the same. Uh, he's a gifted evangelist. Uh, he is a great teacher, a great workshop leader. Uh, he is from a place called Stonewall, Manitoba, which is just north of Winnipeg. Okay, and uh, so he hails from a couple of provinces over. And uh, he is uh, he's uh, married with kids who are just learning what it means to adult. Uh, so I understand a little bit what that's about. Uh, so we're so excited to have <clears throat> Danny with us this morning. Now, for, for those of you who are new, you might not be familiar with this, but whenever we have a guest speaker at Crosspoint, we always want to give them an official Crosspoint welcome as they come, which means applauding to the point of embarrassment as they come, uh, which is just our way of saying welcome. We're so glad you're here to share with us. Uh, thank you for serving us. And so uh, let's invite Danny as he comes with a real Crosspoint welcome this morning. you guys. Oh, it is so cool to be in Alberta. You guys are so much cooler than Manitoba. And you know, the, the thing that, that scares me about Alberta is your guys' ditches. Like, you got real ones. In Manitoba, that's just another option for driving for us, you know, but in, in Alberta, like, man, they won't find you till Jesus comes if you, your car goes off into there. Like, you'd be, you know, the rapture would happen. They'd be like, where were you? I was in Alberta. You know, like, you know, in the uh, book of Revelation, it talks about um, uh, the, the devil gets bound for a thousand years and thrown into this giant abyss. I think I, I think I drove past it. It's in Alberta. That's where they're going to throw him right down into the, one of your ditches. It's scary. But I love it here. It's beautiful. The mountains, the people, it's cool. And God is moving here. Did you know that? Yeah, it's exciting times. Let me tell you this. In the world... Um, God is absolutely exploding around uh, in different countries and people groups in incredible ways that is unprecedented throughout history. 
He's moving incredibly. Did you know this? That in 1999, there were three known church plant movements. Okay, now a church plant movement is when God is moving and, and, and people are coming to Christ in such record numbers that, that, that churches are just exploding, that are planting other churches, that are planting other churches, and there's just millions of people coming to Christ in, 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 in one sort of geographical area that's just sort of spreading quickly. That's a church plant movement, okay? I guess we could call it like a revival. In, in 1999, there were three that could be identified in the world. Only three. In 2006, there were 19 that could be identified in the world. In 2009, there were 119 that could be identified. And as we turned the corner into 2019, there are now 654 known church plant movements happening right now, right now, people are coming to Christ in record numbers in our day. Is that not exciting? That's exciting. If that doesn't get you excited, go back home. Go have a nap. Don't know what you're doing. But that gets me excited that God is moving. Did you know that it's quite possible that the Great Commission is fulfilled in our lifetime? That we might be the last generation that sees the return of Christ because he gave us this promise in Matthew 24, 14. It says this, that this gospel shall first be preached in all the earth and then the end will come. Oh, God, with television and radio and the internet and what God is doing, uh, he's raising up leaders all around the world, great missionaries that the world has never heard of, especially in the West. Guys like uh, Ying Kai, who started 160,000 churches in China from 2001 to 2009. Millions of people coming to Christ. Not that he planted each one, but he raised up leaders and raised up leaders and raised up leaders and God just, just moved. And, and, and Kumar, who started 100,000 churches in India, 50,000 of those have been in the last seven months. God is on the move, you guys. And you know, it's incredible as we uh, get to come alongside these, these, these leaders and, and, and walk with them and, and learn from them and, and help equip them as well with, with, with certain tools as movements begin and, and we just depend on each other. And you get to walk with these guys and I, I, I literally, I spend time with them. I'll spend a weekend with them or four days or a week or two weeks and, and I'll literally question if I'm saved. I'm like, man, do I know Jesus like these guys, these women? And we've been able to ask them and talk to them, and this, this blew my mind. This gets me excited. I, I love this. We've, we've asked many of them, who are the most fruitful, the most effective in your, in your networks, in your teams, and in the, the movements that you are shepherding? Like, who, what do you see as being kind of some of the, you know, the ones who stand out? You know what they say? Multiple times, different people, different movements who don't know each other have said, it's 16-year-olds. Most of them girls. Is that not cool? That some of the most effective, fruitful, ferocious, unstoppable church planters and evangelists in our day are 16-year-old girls. So I say to you, Canada, what's your excuse? Right? Some of the most dangerous, darkest places in our world. And the gospel is going forward. As people refuse to back down refuse to make excuse, stare in the eyes of death and persecution and rejection for the sake of the gospel. Just recently, 
connected with an organization. I, I, I can't talk about this publicly because of the story I'm about to tell you, uh, but if I were to, you would, you would know this organization. You've, you've heard of it. But anyway, they're working in Syria, and they're planting churches, and they're, they're, they're going after youth, uh, sharing the gospel with youth. And anyway, they were working with this young leader. He was 17 years old. And he got falsely arrested because he looks a lot like his older brother, but his older brother committed some crime in Syria. And so uh, they came to arrest the older brother, but they arrested the younger brother instead by accident. And he spent almost two weeks in a Syrian prison. Can you imagine the most war-torn country in the world run by radicals uh, and, and going into a prison there to be surrounded by the worst, the worst, the dangerous of the most dangerous. And anyway, he was in there for two weeks and they, uh, this organization was able to advocate on his behalf and present a case to uh, one of the local leaders who had a lot of power there. And they were able to get a letter to secure his freedom. They said, bring this to the prison. With his signature on it, it was, he'll be released. So they brought it to this prison and, and, and went to the, to the authorities and, and showed and proved the letter. And they went and grabbed this young guy apologized to him, brought him out, and as he connected with these, uh, this organization, with the leaders that he knows, he said, guys, I need you to tear that letter up. And he said, why? This is your freedom. This, you can leave. You don't have to stay in there. He says, no, no, no. You don't understand. I have 30 radical Muslims and imams, Muslim leaders and clerics coming to my cell tonight to hear me teach about Jesus. I need to stay. God has called me here. There are no other Christians in here. How else will they hear? So please, tear up that letter. The Lord will look after me. And he turned around and he walked back in. Isn't that amazing? Do you see what I mean by like I question my salvation sometimes? I get nervous talking to an old lady at Walmart. Like, what will you do for the gospel? What would I do for the gospel? Is there an urgency like that that you would lay down your life and face whatever it will take to advance God's glory in the earth? Oh. Guys, those are the kinds of disciples Jesus is calling. I love, I, I work with, uh, how many of you have uh, heard of I Am Second or seen some of our videos? A few of you, okay, cool. For those of you who haven't, if you go to IamSecond.com, you can see a bunch of uh, different celebrities and, and other people with different walks of life, from prostitutes, former prostitutes, to drug addicts, to uh, ultimate fighters, to sports, to you know all kinds of things, actors, athletes, share their story of being far from God, radically meeting Jesus, placing Him first, becoming second, and uh, how God healed and restored their life. And, and they're amazing. God has uh, given us about 115 videos that are in 200 different countries. We get about 70,000 hits on our videos every day. It's, it's exciting what God is doing as he's going outside the church using these videos. But uh, behind that, uh, people don't know, there's, there's another organization called E3 Partners, which actually kind of launched I Am Second. And that's who I work with. And um, they're actually engaged in bringing the gospel to some of the most unreached places in the world in over 75 different countries, networked into 115. It's exciting. And so we lead teams, uh, you know, from, from all over North America and other parts of the world, and we go to some of these unreached places 
and we go into places where most people are leaving, but we go in, and we go in there, and we share the gospel and plant churches, and it's exciting what God is doing. And uh, just recently went to the Amazon. Uh, we took a team of 14 North Americans and 13 Peruvians. We took a medical team and church planters and trainers and then just a, 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 a bunch of you know, regular folks that just wanted to, to go and, and be used by God. And, and listen, listen, just getting there, it was uh, a two-and-a-half-hour flight and then a three-and-a-half-hour flight and then a six-and-a-half-hour flight and then another hour-and-a-half flight into the jungle. I got air miles. And then we drove for two hours to the mouth of the Amazon River and uh, got into what is called rapid boats and we whipped down for about 10 more hours. Uh, and then we uh, broke up into smaller teams and got into what we call those little Pekka boats. And we went another four hours through these winding, uh, narrow passageways in the Amazon. And then we grabbed all our gear and hiked for four hours. You want to come? Listen, the, the propeller broke off the boat at one point when we were in our little Pekka boat all on our own as the teams all split off and were, you know, dozens and dozens of miles apart. And uh, we broke the propeller off my boat. That's fun. We're just drifting along going, can we just crawl CAA or, like, you know. And uh, it started to rain and it was thundering. It's lightning. We're taking on water because the boat had a leak. And we're bailing. And as we're bailing, this crocodile comes out of the bush and jumps into the water. It was so close, it splashed us. And I'm like, this is the best day of my life. It was so cool. You know, do you guys want to come? We'll get you there. May not get you back, but we'll get you there. I'm kidding. But let me tell you about what you experience when you're in that. And you're going to a place that uh, you're the first missionary to make contact with them. It is an exciting, incredible, peaceful place as you are just completely surrendered into the Lord's hands and that you know that if you don't get through this, who will? As we showed up, uh, we were met with uh, five men with machetes and uh, I thought I was filming my own death. Um, but they greeted us and they were warm and they were friendly and we had sent... Uh, some Peruvians ahead who, you know, this wasn't like a contactless tribe, but they were uh, unreached and unengaged. Uh, they had some contact with the outside world, and so we had already predetermined that they were friendly. Uh, so we were expecting a warm welcome, but still, machetes is weird. Uh, but they were warm, they were welcoming, and, uh, and were expecting us, and, and we set up our tents and we got in there, and, you know, 153 of them gave their lives to Christ on that trip. And we baptized over 80 of them. It was exciting. As we started baptizing, they just started running down the hill. They started running and getting into the river. They just lined up as we baptized them. And I'm telling you, God healed physically many of them. We saw a paralyzed baby uh, begin to move its limbs. We saw blind eyes open. We saw crooked hands uh, straighten. We saw pain leave stomachs and, and headaches and swoll uh, swollenness go down and infections leave. And we uh, went into one hut and there was a, a girl, the family was already gathered around uh, grieving and, and waiting for this girl to die within two days. They expected her to die within the next couple of days. She was covered head to toe in leprosy. She didn't even want to uncover herself. And you could smell death mixed with 
urine and feces and just the, the mourning and the, the, the dying skin and the dying body. It was a horrible smell. And you could smell it from 20 feet away before you even got to the, to the hut. And we took one of the Shipibo who was a, um, a recent, that was the tribe, the Shipibo, uh, the Ishanika and the Shawe. Uh, we went after those three, but we had a young Shipibo girl who had just learned how to share the gospel. She had just gotten saved, learned how to share the gospel with her own people, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So now we go out with them because we're going in to equip them to do the work. We're not just a bunch of, uh, you know, people that drop in from the outside, do a bunch of good things, paint some fences, kick a soccer ball, hug some kids, do a puppet show and call it a missions trip, right? We want to equip them with power and gospel and discipleship tools and simple church tools so that they can reach their own people. And we continue to support and resource and encourage and train, amen? So we took this young girl, we go, she laid hands on this young girl and uh, commanded the sickness to go in Jesus' name, shared the gospel with the family, and four days later that girl was up and walking around saying, I feel much better, thank you, and gave her life to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, the book of Acts. It's the book of Acts, you guys. Did you ever notice that the book of Acts kind of doesn't end? You notice it doesn't have an ending? You know why? Because we're still in it. We're still in the exact same era that they were. This is still New Testament times. The Great Commission is still binding on us to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel. First in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the job is not done. We talked about this yesterday, how the gospel began in the Garden of Eden when God killed that first lamb and covered them. And that was the beginning of the announcement of redemption. God could have cut us all off right there. But he didn't. He chose mercy. And he came up with a plan that wove its way uh, through the, the early patriarchs into the, the formation and, you know, the flood and then the formation of, of Israel, the calling of Abraham and, and, and you know, and, and, and then uh, further patriarchs that led into the time of, of Exodus and then uh, Judges and then the prophets for 4,000 years and then the birth of Christ. And then the calling of the first disciples and the formation of the early church. And then now 2,000 years of church history as God has woven his kingdom and his church and his plan all the way throughout history. Here in 2019, we still stand and it's found its way to us. Why should it stop with us? When the gospel found its way to you, it was to travel right through you and get to others. Amen? Amen. Let's know that and believe that. But did you know in North America, 98% of us rarely and never share our faith with a lost person. We're weird to the rest of the world. They don't understand how we do that, how we invite people just to addresses, but we have no idea how to invite people to Jesus. Right? And we need to keep doing that, keep inviting. Let's keep bringing people in here. This is awesome. We also need to add to it, go and tell. Amen? Not just come and see, but also go and tell. Now listen to this. Let's read. If you got your Bibles, let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. My favorite chunk of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, 
When I first read this passage, you see, I wasn't uh, raised in a um, particularly regular religious home, Christian home. I mean, my, my parents were believers, and we went to church once in a while on, like, the special holidays, and we went to, like, an old Presbyterian church, and I went to Sunday school in the basement, drew weird things, and drank the juice, and couldn't wait for snack. <laughs> you know, but I, I never really picked up my faith, and by the time I was 17, I was this wild teenager. I was drinking. I was doing drugs. I was in and out of trouble with the police, and at, at one point in my life, uh, I just totally lost control. I was living on the streets, sleeping in bus shelters, up on rooftops, crawling against the ducks, just trying to stay warm. Um, the ducks with a T, not ducks. Just in case you had that, what? How do you do that? And it was a real hopeless time in my life. And uh, one night, it got so bad, I just stole a car, and I had an amazing, wonderful, well-thought-out plan at 1.30 in the morning when I found the keys in it. It was, I'm going to steal this car, I'm going to get to BC, I'm going to get a job on a boat, and I'm going to go and see the world. And I got about um, 45 minutes out of Winnipeg, and I uh, started rummaging through this backpack, and in that backpack was an outreach book to teenagers. And so I read it, and for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel. I heard this good news, and it radically transformed my life, and I gave my life to Christ. And I got a hold of a Bible, and I read this. This was before I even had set foot in a church, because it was four months before I even set foot in a church, before my first sermon, my first Sunday school, my first prayer meeting, my first retreat, my first Christian song. You know, before any of that stuff, I read this, and I understood that our God is a missionary God. So listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now there's one particular word I want you to listen to every time you hear it, and it's the word us. Everybody say us. Okay, let's dig. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Now you notice that word, anyone, right? So this whole passage is about anyone who is in Christ. This applies to us all. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. Everybody say us. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Hey, you have a ministry. If you are in Christ, you have one ministry, and that's to bring reconciliation to the world, to God. Everything that you do, that's your ministry. If it's to teach children, it's to help reconcile them to God. If you Whatever you volunteer at, whatever you do, that's not your ministry. Your ministry isn't something you do Tuesday nights or Friday nights. Or something you do when you're paid. Oh, he's paid to be in ministry. Danny's paid to be in ministry. I'm not in ministry. I have a secular... No, no, no. You have a ministry. It's part of your identity. If you're in Christ. Do you see it? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. Well, I'm glad that's in there. And he has committed to us, say us, he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
So, so far, if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. We've been reconciled to God. He's given us a ministry. He's not counting our sins against us, and we have a message. Amen? You've seen it? He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 is my favorite part. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. <laughs> oh, there's no room to be silent. In fact, you know, if we know this, if we believe it to be true, that God is real, the devil is real, heaven is real, hell is real, people are heading there, Jesus came, he died on the cross, paid the price for our sin, is willing to cancel out our debt and start us fresh and make us a brand new creation and offers us eternal life where he'll wipe away every tear, where there's no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. And we have this great news, and the only means by which we can share that with somebody, and they themselves can find this hope and be reconciled to God, why would we keep it to ourselves and be silent? Gosh, if you won the lottery last night, you'd be pretty darn excited. Wouldn't you? Anybody in no? I'm a missionary on support of saying. We'd be excited. You, get, you talk about what you're excited about. Amen? Man, I get excited when I talk about Jesus. I can't help it. I love talking about Jesus. Everywhere I go, I mean, I'm not, you know, always just walking around dispensing the gospel all the time. But, you know, I try to, to walk with what, what I call eyes wide open. I always try to be, to be ready. That's why the, 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 the shoes of peace, he said, have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Do you know people that are far from God? Do you, do, you, do you know anyone? Anyone here know people that are far from God? We have a ministry. We got a message. And I have a lot of people uh, come up to me and say, um, Hey man, like, uh, I just don't know any non-Christians. And all my friends are Christians. I'm, I'm involved with church. and I'm, uh, I'm like, dude, do you leave your house? Do you ever get gas? Like for your car? Do you ever go to Walmart? <laughs> do you ever see a Canadian tire? Do you, do you, like, do you live in a bubble? Because, man, you interact with lost people all the time. I mean, sure, you may not be best friends with them, but, man, we have so much opportunity. I've stopped asking God for opportunity to share the gospel. I've stopped. Instead, I just say, God, give me courage when I see it. Because now I can't stop seeing it. And when was the last time you asked God? When was the last time you wept with Him for the lost, for your city? Because you know that's what gets movements started. It's not our programs. It's not our flashy things that we put all kinds of confidence in. It's going to be a, a heart broken before God, crying out. He is so irresistibly drawn to a broken heart. And He'll move in your city if you're crying out. I, I remember the 
first time I saw God answer uh, one of my first prayers. I was a brand new believer. I had no idea how this works. I mean, you guys, I mean, the first prayer I prayed when I got saved, uh, after I, I gave my life to Jesus, when I read this book, I got down on my knees, I gave my life to Christ, began to glow and immediately levitate, and I've had no problems ever since. <laughs> Gosh, I was a messy Christian, still am. But, man, you know, I mean, my first prayer was, was, um, good morning. I need a Bible. Uh, it said in the book that I should get a Bible and read it, but I don't have one, so, you know, if, if, you, if you could give me one, I, I don't know where to get one, so, amen, you know, or something, you know. Twenty minutes later, I went into my friend's place, Monica, who lived behind me, was a good friend. Hadn't told her anything about the night before and what Jesus had done in my life. Hadn't told her yet. And I walked into her house, and as I walked in, there was a huge red NIV Bible sitting on their counter. And I'd been there a thousand times. I've never seen a Bible. They're not a religious family. And I said, where'd you get that? And Monica told me, it's really weird, she said. My aunt, who's like a total Bible thumper, came up to me two days ago and said, God told me that you're going to need this. And then Monica turned to me and she said, but I don't want it. You want it? Here, you take it. It's yours. And I was like, whoa. Well done. It was literally it was 20 minutes. I was like, can I have a Ferrari? I was still waiting. It didn't come as fast yet. But anyway, what was so cool about this Bible is, is her aunt obviously loved the Word of God, so she highlighted a whole bunch of stuff in yellow. Apparently that's a thing. So I didn't know where to read. I mean, it's huge, right? I don't know. I don't understand what's going on. So I just read the yellow. And it was good. You know, I start getting into Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, God. I don't even know who Paul is. Or what he's doing, or who the Colossians are. But man, God is speaking to me and leading me. And I'm weeping, and I'm reading the scriptures, and I love it. And I could just see all the way through that God has this plan and that we are a part of it. I could tell that we are plan A, and there's no plan B. And I would begin to pray, I'd begin to talk to God, and, and I'd start to, to get his, his uh, heart for, this before I even knew what the word evangelism was, or missions, or any of this stuff. It was four, four and a half months before I set foot in a church. It was just me, God, and the Bible, and I'd be, I'd be praying. And I was praying, uh, I would drive by, there's a penitentiary in my place, and I would get this, like, sense of, of burden and, and, and a heaviness that, that, would, that would fill me with, with compassion. Have, have you ever had God share His heart with you? Our passion is one thing. Oh, I'm really passionate about that. Or, oh, I just get so fired up, and we feel like it's our heart that comes out. That's weak and fickle and selfish and temporary and swaying and listing and, and unstable. But when God shares His heart with you, that is a beautiful mess. When you reach that point of brokenness for the things that break God's heart. And I began to feel that for this prison, and I began to stretch out my hand 
towards that prison. Every time I was driving by, I drove past it every day for about seven months, and I would stretch out my hand, and I would just pray, God, pick somebody in there to bring this good news. I pray that you save somebody, and you, you raise them up as, a, 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 as, a, as someone that will tell others about you, and, and that you'll choose them, and, and, and you'll send them, and you'll just let that whole gospel go throughout that whole prison. I pray that in Jesus' name, and I would lift my hand, and I would just pray as I was driving past it, just for a couple of minutes every day, sometimes twice a day, for a period of about seven months. Four years later, I was in Thunder Bay, ten hours away from where that penitentiary was. And there was this huge guy volunteering to set up this tent for some event that I was at. Big, huge native guy, big ponytail, tattoos. Turns to me with a hammer in his hand and goes, Hey, are you a Christian? I was like, I'm about to die. But I said, yeah, man, I am. <laughs> you know, I was, I was ready. And, he, and he's like, good. And he goes back and he starts pounding. The, you know, and I was like, well, what about you, man? Are, are you? And he, he stands up and he's like, oh, yeah. And I said, well, how did you get saved? And he said, well, it's a cool story, man. Four years ago, I was in Stony Mountain Penitentiary. That was the penitentiary I was praying over. He said, this guy walked in, uh, he had been to the chapel, and he was mad, and he didn't want any of the religious stuff, so he grabbed a Bible, and he whipped it on the table, and he said, get this away from me. And it slid all the way in front of me, fell off the edge of the table, and I caught it. And as I caught it, he said, I felt power go through my whole body. And he said, I heard God say, I've chosen you. And he said, I'm not a real, I wasn't a religious guy. I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't curious about God. It was nothing. But all of a sudden, I was like, what is in this book? So he said, I went back to my cell, and I started to read the whole New Testament. And in the middle of Luke, I got down on my knees, and I gave my life to Jesus. And he said, I spent the next two years sharing the gospel all throughout the prison. And I said, man, when was that? And he gave me the exact date. And as I looked back in my calendar and figured out when I had that job for seven months, it was right in the middle of that seven months. So I told him that. The dude, I used to pray every day. And he looked at me and he's like, are you serious? I said, are you serious? Both of us got teary-eyed and we hugged and had a kingdom moment. If you haven't hugged an ex-con, you haven't lived. I knew that God was, man, he, when we pray and we engage him in his heart for the lost, we couple that with prayer and we take our ministry and we take our message and we begin to share God begins to move. You believe that? Let me say this. Any prayer meeting that doesn't come out with an action plan is just a prayer meeting. I'm not saying God doesn't do stuff. But let your prayer meetings and your crying out be asking God steps. What's our next step, God? What do you want us to do? Because our God is a sending God. We don't just pray that He goes and does stuff. We pray that He will use us and that He goes ahead of us. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you, God goes ahead of you. You start taking this seriously, you start waking up in the morning, and before your feet hit the ground, you should be saying, I win. Because you're one day closer to heaven when you woke up today. One day closer. It's coming. 
We're going to be facing it. There's no way to avoid it. We're on an unstoppable course towards eternity. And we should be saying, I win. And then I think the next one is, Lord, what do you want to do today? Who can I share with today? God, open my eyes, Lord. Help me see. I don't even pray for opportunity. I say, give me, give me courage when it happens. Because it's going to happen. You ever have strangers just walk up to you randomly and talk to you? Listen, I had a friend recently. Uh, he, he was getting frustrated. He was trying to talk to people about Jesus. And, and uh, we had regular outreach nights. We actually created a, a Thursday night where we go out between uh, 6.30 and 10 o'clock. And we go out and we pray over people in our city. And we share the gospel. We invade hospitals, parks, apartment buildings. Uh, we, we go all over the city. And we created an intentional Thursday night outreach night to create an on-ramp for people that want to get in on this so that they can come, be trained, be equipped, be, form some community, come back, celebrate some of those stories, pray for each other, and then next week do it all over. And anyway, one of our, our teammates was getting frustrated because he was going out and it seemed like nobody really wanted to talk and stuff. And so he sat down on a bench and he just said, God, I'm just going to sit right here. And if you have somebody you want me to talk to, you should have to bring them. So he sat there, and he sat there for about 20 minutes, and this guy barges open uh, from this bar across the street, just <laughs> comes all the way across the street, totally, like, forcefully walking, just looking straight at him, starts coming. And he's sitting on the bench like, uh-oh. Like, what's happening? This guy looks mad. And he comes up, and he's like, hey, do you play pool? We need a fourth. <laughs> and so he's like, thank you. And he went in. And he had a great time playing pool with these guys, sharing Christ, just being, you know, shooting pool, talking with them. They were all stopping, listening, talking, you know, asking them questions, and, and actually had some uh, follow-up meetings with these guys to, to talk a little bit deeper and hang out with them sometime. And I tell you, just make yourself available. Have that ministry, that message. Have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes, and God will respond. He always Responds, looking for a willing heart. Somebody that just says, Here, my Lord, I'm broken. I'm messy. I don't have it all together. Please stop waiting for that. Stop waiting till you have everything sorted and you're perfect, and then God can use me. He used the woman at the well. She was still in her brokenness, but won a whole village to him. You place yourself in his hands, he will use you. Amen. Can I call the uh, worship band up and play something in the key of heaven? Or even the key of Pentecost? That'd be cool. I want to do something uh, as, I, as I close over the next few minutes. I know you don't want to get between church and lunch. It's like getting between a bear and its cubs. <laughs> you guys are great. But I, I, I want to I speak to maybe somebody who might be here. Maybe, maybe not, but I, you know, I, I just, I know that we all have brokenness. Okay, we live in a broken world. God created us for a paradise where we have an amazing relationship with Him. No sin, no shame. But and a perfect relationship with each other where we're all supposed to get along and, and, and be completely selfless and, and, and have no chaos and carnage and, and whatever. But, but we, you know, we sinned. 
and broke our relationship with God as a human race. And so we're in this world that, that's kind of been separated from Him. And death and disease and brokenness is a part of it and sin and, and, and our own selfishness and, and addictions and hang-ups and failures uh, you know, can sometimes be really right in front of us. And it can be difficult to share. We can hide it. We push it down. We can ignore it. But you know, God loved us so much. He didn't want to leave us there. So he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Okay? Jesus willingly came down, wrapped himself in humanity, came down, walked amongst us, taught us about the kingdom of God, taught us about the Father. And then he willingly laid down his life, and he died on that cross, and he took all the punishment, all the judgment, all the guilt, all the shame, all the death that we deserve. He took it upon himself and willingly paid the price in full. And then three days later, he rose again, like defeating it, leaving it behind. Defeating death and Satan and sin itself. And then he, he rose again and he ascended up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father and he kicked open the gates of heaven and said, whosoever wants to come in can come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that, and this is my favorite word in this verse, so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so there's two kinds of people in this world, those that have turned from sin, believed in Christ, received that, and those that are still separated. And so this morning, I want to I call out, if you're here, maybe you're a guest, maybe you're new, or maybe you've been coming for months, but you've never quite made that jump and, and, and actually turned your life over to Jesus, turned from sin and said, okay, I'm doing it. I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. I want that today. You walk out of here knowing that you have peace with God that you're made right with God, that He no longer counts your sin against you. And you're like, yeah, what about the future? What about the future? What if I do it again? Well, listen, if you don't believe that God can forgive future sin, 2,000 years ago when He died on the cross, all your sin was in the future. And he paid the price anyway. But I want to invite you this morning, if that's you, if you're here, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you out, but if that's you, and you're like, I'm ready, I want to do it, I want to make that decision right now, then this is your moment. You walk out of here made right with God, a son or a daughter of God, forgiven, cleansed, a new creation. If that's you, let's just close our eyes, bow our heads, so nobody's paying attention to anybody else. If that's you, in this place, and you'd like to make that decision right now, would you just, nobody's looking, would you just slip your hand up and just look at me? Say, count me in. Anybody else? Anyone else? God saw that. This is your moment. 
This is where you are crossing over from death to life. From hell to heaven. From far from God to so very near to Him. You become a child of God in this moment, right now. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray a prayer in just a second. We're gonna we're gonna lock this in. But before I do that, it maybe uh, there's something else. I, I, you know, if if you are going through a season right now where you maybe feel you're far from God, you, you've done that, you've made the decision, but it's been a tough season and you've wandered, you've been distracted, and it's been a tough season. Maybe you've even had some anger towards God, and you're struggling and you're wrestling in your faith, and you're saying like, man, I want back. I want what I used to have. I want to draw near to Him again. I want to be restored to Him. I want to be made right again. Just like the prodigal son, as he started to make his way back, he had turned his back and gone and done all kinds of wild and crazy things. But I love this part of the verse, of the story. It says, while he was still a long way off, the father ran to him with compassion wrapped his arms around him, kissed him. And the prodigal son had his little speech prepared, and he said, Father, I've, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm not even worthy to be your son. Just let me be like one of the servants, and that'll, that'll be enough. I don't deserve what I used to have. I've let you down. I've, t- I've turned my back, and I've, I've, I've hurt you. And the father didn't even respond to him. I love that. He just called for the servants and said, Quick, get a robe. Cover him. Cover up his shame. Get a ring. Put it on his finger. He's noble. He is my son. Put shoes on his feet. Cover his poverty. Slaughter the fattened calf. Let's celebrate. Because this son of mine was lost but now he's found he was dead now he's alive and they began to celebrate that's our God though you might still be a long way off the Father wants to run to you right now just receive it That's the gospel. It's good news. He no longer holds our sins against us. We've been reconciled. We've made peace through Christ. Not because of our righteousness, but because of His. So if that's you, you join in on this prayer, just like those who are praying this for the first time nothing magical about this prayer it's just a way of saying and pouring out our heart to God so let's just just repeat after me we'll just simplify and let's all do it just so that nobody feels singled out or weird let's just all do it and you just pray this out to God you look him in the eyes with your eyes closed you just with the eyes of your heart just look directly to him and say this father in Jesus name I give you my life thank you that you died on the cross for me Please forgive my sin. Make me new. 
make me right. I'm going to follow you. I make you the king of my life. And Lord, from this day forward, forever and ever and ever, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give it up for those who prayed that. Woo! Yeah! Welcome! Welcome! Oh, man, I tell you, the Bible says that angels celebrate when someone turns back to God. So, man, there's so much. Keep plugged in with this church. Talk to pastors and talk to leaders and just let them know what God is doing in your heart, what happened today, and just start start talking to people about it. But, man, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real joy being here, and uh, hope to see you again very soon. But God bless you. We'll see you soon. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.